Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, episode number 94. At the time of this recording, Bitcoins are trading at $1,999 each. Mmm, mmm, mmm. Now that's gravy. Welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy, and thanks for joining me as I podcast from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin blockchain epicenter of the South. I'm your host, John Barrett, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, right by my side. Say hello, Maxwell. (laughs) We're two Bitcoin fanatics who love talking with people about Bitcoin and blockchain and distributed ledgers and sharing what we learn with you, the listener. Longtime listeners, welcome back. And new listeners, we hope you enjoy the show. Today on the show, I feel privileged to be speaking with Jonathan Bahai, the president, and Michael Maloney, the director of intelligence for PeerPlays. PeerPlays is the world's first peer-to-peer betting platform built entirely on top of a live blockchain. And according to BTC Media, the PeerPlays token known as PPY is the first dividend-paying cryptocurrency ever designed. Join me now, friends, for another great episode of Bitcoins and Gravy, powered by BTC Media, Nashville, Tennessee. Listeners, today on the show, I am thrilled to welcome into the Treehouse Studio two gentlemen from the Peer Plays Blockchain Standards Association. That's the PBSA. That is Jonathan Bahai, the president, and Michael Maloney, the director of intelligence. Gentlemen, welcome to Bitcoins and Gravy. Thank you very much. Yeah, thanks, John. It's good to be here. Great to have you guys. Now, we are speaking by way of the magic, and I'm doing air quotes, of Skype. And you guys are where? Tell me where you guys are located right now. Well, I'm located in uh, Nova Scotia, Canada. Uh, we are uh, located inside of a nuclear bunker, which is located here. It is a uh, decommissioned government Cold War nuclear bunker, and uh, that is where the Peer Plays Blockchain Standards Association is headquartered. That was Jonathan that was just speaking, is that right? That's correct. So you're in a bunker there. That's crazy. Did you buy that? Or are you renting that? Is that an Airbnb? <laughs> that would be the ultimate Airbnb, I think. Uh, but uh, no, actually, we own it. It was decommissioned by the government and went private, so uh, we own it uh, full lock and stock. Well, before we get into everything and before we find out where Michael is, what's a nuclear bunker cost? Well, uh, so far we're we're several hundred thousand dollars in uh, with the with the cost, but it's a huge it's a huge facility. It's sixty four thousand square feet. It was designed for three hundred and fifty people to survive chemical, biological, or nuclear fallout, and uh, it was essentially for the Canadian government in this region to be able to continue operations in the event that the uh, Cold War back in the day went the wrong way. So. Uh, Wow. It's, a, it's a massive facility. It's really interesting. We have uh, all kinds of things going on. And of course, we have, you know, every single day while this place was operational, they played war games. You know, every day they would imagine uh, bombs dropping from here and there, and they'd have to scramble to figure out what to do. And uh, hmm. here we are today, you know, launching a gaming blockchain that's uh, designed to, <laughs> to, to, you know, take over the world. So it's, uh, it's pretty exciting. Well, you know, those guys and their war games, man, there's not enough talk about peace, too much talk about war. So I'm glad that you guys are doing something there in the bunker, putting it to good use. But uh, okay, so Michael Maloney, Director of Intelligence, where are you? I am in Amsterdam. Okay. The Nord uh, Borough. 
And uh, I am in the process right now of establishing uh, a branch of the Pure Plays Blockchain Standards Association, mm -hmm. um, the PBSA. And we have uh, a number of uh, employees that are working with us here. And uh, it's at the center of European command, as it were. I, I don't have a bunker. I'm actually on the second floor of an office building. But it is a very great place to be. A lot going on here in the blockchain space. Amsterdam, of course, one of, of Europe's many uh, beautiful cities and, and beautiful places to be. So, uh, yeah, I'm thrilled to be here. Well, that's great. You know, Amsterdam, I've still never been there. I remember years ago when I lived in California, a friend and I really wanted to go to the Cannabis Cup there in uh, Amsterdam, and we never got to go. But anyway, so I can only imagine that there is a lot of tech going on and excitement in that area of Europe, Amsterdam in particular. So Peer Plays, who wants to describe to the listeners what is the Peer Plays Blockchain Standards Association, the PBSA. What is that? I can jump in there real quick. Uh, the PBSA is a, a nonprofit organization. It's established in Canada, in Nova Scotia. We're dedicated to promoting provably fair gaming standards mm -hmm. on the Peer Plays Blockchain. So we're an advocacy organization. We do a lot of think tanking and also um, development of software code, uh, open source software code, which uh, helps promote the standards that we're setting to establish within the blockchain gaming space. And so that's the mission of the organization. We have uh, five employees right now. We have upwards of 25 developers, 20 full-time software developers working in Asia and in Europe and in North America. And we are uh, gearing up to launch a, a number of uh, blockchain-based gaming applications over the coming months. Okay. Uh, so we've got, uh, got a lot going on. <laughs> nice. You know, and now with gaming, there are two different kinds of gaming. There's gaming that's the gambling gaming, the traditional use of that term. And then now we're talking about gaming because all the kids are playing all of these video games, right? The war games and everything else they play. So this is the gaming that has to do with playing jacks or playing craps, actual gambling or gaming. When I said gaming, uh, I meant in the sense of, of gambling, uh, wagering, uh, betting. Mm -hmm. um, the gambling and wagering betting software is hosted directly on top of the PurePlay's decentralized blockchain, mm -hmm. uh, which is a blockchain protocol that's capable of very high-speed transactions, three-second block times, transaction throughput capacity, capacity of upwards of uh, a few hundred thousand per second. Uh, and by transaction, I mean sort of anything that happens on the blockchain that's verified and validated. Um, okay. So we have a, a very powerful industrial scale technology that we're actually building wagering software onto. Uh, we have three major applications, uh, or I sh by major, I mean separate areas of, of uh, genres of, of, of wagering and gambling. Mm -hmm. uh, the first one is a, a sports betting application uh, called Bookie. Uh, this is uh, something that takes advantage of the uh, high-speed transaction throughput capacity to host a uh, betting marketplace uh, mm -hmm. within the blockchain itself uh, in various different currencies. We have the capability of hosting a number of alt currencies uh, mm -hmm. as well as Bitcoin. Okay. Um, and then the second one is a, uh, a citizen lottery. It's called Sweeps. And it's a, a sweepstakes-based, uh, of course, you can tell by the name, um, mm -hmm. And that is something we're working on. Uh, we'll be releasing uh, in the early 2018. Um, and then we also have a, a, a multi-gaming platform called PurePlays 8. We've developed and, and is actually on a test net right now our prototype game, which is uh, a interactive uh, tournament-style rock-paper-scissors, <laughs> uh, which can be wagered on. And it's a, a single elimination tournament bracket where uh, everyone can create tournaments, invite their friends, wager on the tournament, uh, so basically uh, have a, a, the same wager as everyone playing. So if you want to be part of the tournament, you uh, submit an entry fee, and then all of those entry fees are, are going to the jackpot. Okay. When you say provably fair, the implication, of course, when I hear that is that there are other online gaming or gambling or wagering sites that are not provably fair. The implication is that some of those aren't fair. What's your take on that, guys? So I'd like to jump in here a bit and uh, say something about this. So right now we have an industry that is uh, essentially regulated by regulators, primarily because 
of uh, a couple of factors. One of the factors is is that the fiat currency, which is being used uh, in these uh, gambling operations, requires uh, certain anti-money laundering standards. Mm-hmm. Uh, of course, for you know to prevent terrorists and things like this, uh, and uh, organized crime from uh, being able to uh, move money around and and so forth. So let me pause you right there. You mentioned two reasons, but I want to make sure that we also, in addition to talking about anti-money laundering and anything nefarious that the government might be protecting us, again, I'm doing air quotes, protecting us from one of the reasons for anti-money laundering, AML and KYC regulations, we all know now is so that the IRS, (laughs) the Internal Revenue Service, can track people's money to make sure that people are paying the taxes that they owe when they make a bet and win some money or when they liquidate some crypto assets, for instance. So we're in agreement, but please continue. You're, you're absolutely correct on that on that uh, on that point, and uh, of course, you know the reasons I stated are obviously the the popular poster child uh, uh, reasons. Sure. But uh, if people really look at why we have these types of laws, why do we have these types of regulations, you come to realize that uh, you know they are for reasons like you stated, and also for what uh, I mentioned. But these are for fiat currencies. Right. Uh, which are controlled by specifically by the countries uh, mm-hmm. which uh, have domain over them. They are their lender notes. And so when you have these uh, uh, gaming organizations which uh, have the regulators coming down on them specifically to be able to control the currencies which they work with, the standards in terms of the gaming are, are, are often just, uh, I mean, it's, it's, it's often a process where, okay, well, you need to follow these standards. Okay, you've passed. Uh, here's your rubber stamp. You can, you can go ahead as long as you keep on telling us, you know, where all the money is coming from and going. So, right, right. Uh, and, and that's generally, you know, gaming as it is today all around the world. And you have different, different districts that have their different standards uh, because they're, they're trying to exercise uh, different uh, levels of control mm-hmm. uh, over everything that's uh, going on in what is obviously the highest movement of liquid capital in the world. Uh, mm-hmm. I mean, the, the, the estimates in terms of sports betting alone are in the range of anywhere from $3 trillion worldwide to, to $1 trillion. Hmm. And uh, even, mm-hmm. the, even those who have uh, tried to look at this entire industry, uh, I mean, they've, they've said that, you know, we've decided to be very conservative and say $1 trillion because if we said more, if we feel we'd be laughed off the stage. Uh, <laughs> but the truth is, is that it's huge. And hmm. so when it comes to provably fair gaming, the fact is, is that uh, you are at the behest of playing against a house, which is designed and is uh, put in place to to profit. Mm-hmm. And so they will say, "Well, you're here for entertainment purposes, and therefore, um, you know, that's this is just entertainment for you, and we are here to make money." And that is the setup as it is today uh, mm-hmm. for any kind of gaming operation, for sports betting, for um, uh, all the systems out there, what have you, and. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so in, in, in our scenario and with provable fair gaming, what we're trying to do and what we have accomplished in terms of what blockchain can bring is to bring a transparent type of operation which allows everybody to be able to be open about what's going on. You don't have a middleman involved. There's no counterparty risk mm-hmm. uh, of who you're playing against. We have no house. There is no house that you're playing against. It's a peer-to-peer play, hmm. which nice. is why it's called peer plays. Nice. So – this allows everybody to have a gaming experience, which is what everybody really wants, which is to connect, to be able to play against each other. I mean, this is how yeah. it's always been since the, you know, the Stone Age. I mean, this, this, yeah, is, right. how, this is how we were designed. So, you know, the good news is that technology is allowing us to bring this back and actually have this happen on a global scale. So in terms of the, the provable fair, I mean, we have the, the transparency, we have the auditing, but then we also, you know, we have this, this setup that makes it so that you don't have an entity that's that's playing against you mm-hmm. uh, instead you're playing against each other and so because that is a moving target <laughs> you know we are all human beings that are moving targets uh, to be able to understand and to play against in terms of skill then it is uh, it is provably fair where all the transactions are taking place on the blockchain it allows for everyone to know and to trust in the platform always being fair and even in terms of however the outcome should be. 
So uh, you know that there is no counterparty that has some kind of rigged, you know, rigged percentages of how much you should win or how much you should lose. It is uh, completely, uh, it, it's completely ambivalent. Uh, to to whether that happens or not, it is all contained within a, a within a series of smart contracts that will basically just say yes, you've lost, yes, you've lost, less you've lost, yes, you've won, and uh, uh, that's the end of it. So everybody can trust in that. Okay, and when you talk about blockchain, are you talking about the Ethereum blockchain? I will let Michael go into that. Okay, Michael, <laughs> Michael hey, Maloney. Yeah, that was great, Jonathan. I, I um, that that's a really good description. I wanted to elaborate real quickly on a few things you said, uh, which will kind of blend together with uh, the the uh, nature of what we're doing at the blockchain level. Mm-hmm. The PeerPlace blockchain is not the Ethereum blockchain. Uh, the PeerPlace blockchain is a independent blockchain. Um, it uh, has a specific business model, actually a number of business models. And when I say business model, I use that term very loosely because obviously this isn't uh, a specific uh, business that is being operated. The, the blockchain isn't a business uh, in the traditional sense that we think of a, you know, having a hierarchical control where uh, you know, there's a, a couple people that run it or anything like that. It's, mm-hmm. it's a decentralized blockchain. The uh, technology that we're using has integrated uh, voting capabilities. Uh, Everyone who holds the core token of the blockchain is able to uh, participate in a number of levels of decision making uh, at the consensus level, meaning, uh, you know, the the consensus uh, at at the very base level being the uh, uh, notion that uh, everyone's using the same blockchain and that the official record is legitimate, Um, but Mm -hmm. also... You know, so there's that layer that that allows for this high speed uh, transactions and interactions to take place. Uh, the provable fairness of the simply being uh, open source software code. Uh, everyone can see what's happening. Um, there's there's one element I wanted to touch on about provable fairness is simply that when you're playing uh, a, a, an online game, a casino game, or anything that you're wagering with, you're playing a, a computer program that that is hosted on a server by someone. It's a closed source computer program. Program mm-hmm. and um, you know, touching back on the regulation thing, that's that's not where the regulation really happens. It does to some extent, but you know, there's many, 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 many online uh, you know wagering casinos that don't have that level of oversight. So you're again, you're trusting the house mm-hmm. uh, is is dealing fairly, is uh, you know that the that the slot machines are loose, you know, type <laughs> of. The idea, right? Right. So the nature of everything being hosted on a public blockchain eliminates all of that completely. And um, it's it, it really is a, a standard that hasn't really been achieved anywhere because no one is running, you know, open source code on their online gambling sites. You know, mm-hmm. they're... they're so there's that. The business model aspect, though, the, the reality of uh, how the blockchain comes together. The PPY token, uh, it's called PPY, which is the core token, is a profit-sharing token. Profit-sharing uh, meaning that all of the wagering that takes place on the PurePlays blockchain, the blockchain keeps a small percentage of uh, it. And, and it depends on the type of wager and what game you're playing and things of that nature. But there is a, a fee associated with using the network. This is a fee in the same way that there's a fee associated with using, uh, for example, ETH tokens to pay for running smart contracts yep. or fees associated with simply transferring a Bitcoin. Right. Mm-hmm. So these fees are uh, because of the nature of uh, uh, you know the wagering that takes place. There's large volumes of transfers that are happening, or, or or tokens that are transferring from one person to another, right? So that's where that's where fintech service fees come from. They're they're to facilitate the transfer of financial instruments. Let's call it that's a fintech, but you know, digital mm-hmm. currencies is another form of that in, in a lot of ways. Right. And those fees are are very uh, acceptable and natural, even in the cryptocurrency space. They're also necessary to prevent spam and things like that. But mm. you know, so there's a necessary element, but there's also a cycle psychological element to everyone in the world, I think, where people are, are resigned to paying fees for money transfers. No one no one really thinks about it anymore. And as much as we want to totally eliminate that, you know, that may be somewhere in the future with, with certain types of blockchain technologies that may come up. But in general, when it comes to wagering, people pay a fee. And, and mm-hmm. all of these fees are then collected by the blockchain and distributed as quote-unquote profits, although they are profits, and profit-sharing distributions 
to the holders of the core token of the blockchain. So a, a, an analogy you could think of would be, let's say, for example, all the miners did their job for free. And so all the fees that everyone was paying when they were using Bitcoin were being collected somewhere in a virtual account, right? Mm -hmm. And let's say that every day or every time every you know integer, the window opens, and those fees are then distributed out proportionally to every uh, holder of Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So it's you know essentially is a is a is a distribution back to the holders of the token. Mm -hmm. uh, this model, the specific blockchain fee, you know, sharing fee distribution model at the core level, at the at the native code level of the blockchain um, is not something that uh, we have personally seen operational before. And Jonathan and I uh, went to work uh, putting together this this uh, idea and building it into the pure place blockchain. So that's just a little bit about the blockchain itself. Uh, okay. the technology we're using, sort of how everything fits together at that okay. level. All right. You know, the first thing that comes to mind is the question of security. Everybody knows that the Bitcoin blockchain, even though there are a lot of young guys out there that don't fully understand it, that will say, ah, oh, Bitcoin's an old dinosaur. Here's the new thing, Dashcoin or whatever. But what they fail to understand is one thing that makes the Bitcoin blockchain, the protocol, the distributed ledger so valuable right now is it's high level of security, right? So you know, everybody in the world has tried to hack the Bitcoin blockchain from governments to hackers, and they haven't been successful, right? So we do know that there are some blockchains that are less secure than others. Talk to me about security for the peer plays blockchain. I think um, I, I'll jump in real quick here, Jonathan, just uh, on the tech level, and, and I'll, I'll hand the mic off. Um, the security you're you're talking about specifically with Bitcoin is 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 very. I, I think of it at the software level, and it's simply that more people have actually examined and tried to break it, and it's had you know a longer life in operation. Um, those have been very beneficial, and that's something that's one level of it. The other level is simply uh, having people work on it specifically for that reason. We are in the process, and actually have a number of people right now that are, but are are in the process of of bringing on more people to examine the peer place blockchain infrastructure from a cryptographic security uh, level uh, but also from uh, uh, you know all that we, we have many lines of code in fact the graphene which is the core technology that we're using has uh, more I think it has one of the most uh, uh, you know the, the, the largest code bases of any core blockchain uh, technology out there so there's a lot going on and it is uh, very much in the top of our minds that it, uh, to continue to you uh, you know, examine and uh, get that done. Now, I will say one more quick thing, which is that uh, the, the consensus protocol has been in operation for a number of years, and it has uh, proven very robust and secure. What I mean by that is the graphene and specifically BitShares is the is the blockchain that has uh, been using graphene for the longest. Um, mm -hmm. And it's been uh, it was in the top 10 for uh, a year and a half. Um, it's still hanging in the top 30, top 25. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's a very legitimate and secure consensus protocol. This episode of Bitcoins and Gravy is brought to you by our good friends at MoonshineBootWax.com. Made by hand in small batches right here in East Nashville, Tennessee, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is the original, all-natural, non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is a proprietary blend of American beeswax and other fine, all-natural ingredients. It's specially formulated to feed and protect your leather while also offering an excellent long-lasting shine. Whether it's your cowboy boots, your expensive wing tips, or your wife's favorite pumps, Moonshine Boot Wax is a must-have for gentlemen who care about their appearance. Moonshine Boot Wax is proud to partner with Community Food Advocates, a nonprofit organization working to end hunger by creating a healthy, just, and sustainable food system. Together with Community Food Advocates, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax is making a positive difference in the Nashville community, one shine at a time. You can buy your very own four ounce tin today by going to moonshinebootwax.com. And best of all, you can pay using Bitcoin. You know, when I think about security for the Bitcoin blockchain, I think in terms of the power that the miners have, right? 
So, you know, the miners are there to secure the blockchain and to process transactions, right? It's through processing transactions that the blockchain is actually secured. So what can you tell our listeners about graphene that they may not know? You mentioned mining. And um, I know, you know, everyone who's familiar with, you know, cryptocurrency, I believe, isn't familiar with one way and in one way or another, at least the old school cats. I feel like there's a lot of people coming on board now (laughs) on another wave. But the graphene uses something called delegated proof of stake. So it's a different it's a different way of of, uh, validating uh, the ledger. Mm -hmm. Uh, Witnesses uh, is the name that describes the position of the block validators in delegated proof of stake. Witnesses run full nodes and take turns validating the box. There's basically a round robin that happens and it's randomly chosen uh, every time all of the witnesses have signed one block. It, it repeats and randomly chooses everyone again. So the witnesses are elected by the core token holders. And um, there's only two things that a witness can do at the code level. They can't change the, the blockchain. They can't change anything that happens. The two bad actions, I should say, quote unquote, would be to miss a block or to refuse to sign a block. Uh, if they miss a block, it, most of the time it's because they uh, had network issues and they weren't they weren't able to, to know that it was their time up. If they refuse to sign a block, everyone knows it and everyone can instantly vote them out and vote someone in. But it, refusing to sign a block simply passes it on to the next witness and you have a six second block interval rather than a three there because someone reviews to sign. So it's a, uh, it's, it, it, I, I know I sort of described that in a way that I'll probably get, uh, I'll probably get taken to task for by <laughs> some of my, my friends who are much more familiar with it than I am. But uh, I hope that gives a sort of narrative or high level overview that makes sense. Yeah, I think that was good. So guys, let's talk about gaming. Let's talk about wagering. Let's talk about gambling. You know, obviously, it's an incredibly popular pastime. We also have to admit that there are certain people that have gambling problems, right? You know, but there are also certain people that have eating problems or that have alcohol problems. That doesn't make food necessarily bad or beer or wine necessarily bad. But, you know, we do know that there are people that have gambling problems. Is there anything that we can do or is there any conversation we should have in terms of just, you know, encouraging people to be responsible and, you know, don't go out and mortgage your house and take that money and, and, you know, gamble it, you know, put it on the horses or put it on a sports team or, you know, play blackjack all night. What can we say to people to get them to be responsible when they want to gamble or when they want to put a wager on something? There's a lot of answers. Um, there is, yes. I think the question that you asked is really much more broad than uh, uh, you know something that can be controlled at the. It's it, the, the principle I'd like to sort of I guess ask that everyone wrap their minds around is the idea that um, you know the the activity itself is not the cause of the issue that surrounds the activity, right? So cigarettes don't cause cancer. People who smoke right. cigarettes give themselves cancer. Right. You know, guns don't kill people. People shoot people with guns. They kill them you know so yeah <laughs> I, you know that that's i that principle i i feel like is is um you know, something that people are discovering now in, in various ways is, is, is not effective. And in blockchain technology in general, you know, this is this is liberating people and giving them choices. And it's going to continue to do so. And I think that, you know, living with the consequences of one's choices is, is healing in a lot of ways because, you know, at a certain point you look around and you go, well, geez, you know, I've, I've, I've really messed my life up here. Um, you know, maybe I need to, you know, take a deep breath and consider uh, another way of going about this because, um, you know, whatever action I've been taking is leading to these consequences, that kind of thing. So I don't want to get too, too obtuse. No, let me ask you. So let me ask you guys another question. Do do you guys think that most people that do online gambling or online gaming, do you think that they are aware that the algorithms they have set up or, you know, the whole entire platform they have set up is not necessarily fair? In other words, it's not provably fair because it's closed source software. The whole thing's closed, right? Sitting on a server somewhere. But do you think your average person who's involved in online gaming is aware? that you know the deck is stacked not in their favor that things are set up so the house can win and they'll win a little bit but in the long run the house is going to be the big winner do you think most people are aware of that 
I guess it depends on how you describe the average person, but um, <laughs> in num numbers wise, and, and it's just, I, I, I don't have statistics in front of me, but I will tell you that I have found considerable evidence that there is a, con a considerable level of awareness of the uh, uh, shenanigans that are, are engaged in by certain online uh, wagering platforms on their servers. And there's, there's, you know, not even to mention fly by night ones that pop up somewhere in the South pacific and operate for three or four months and, <laughs> and close up so um right. you know it, it affects people you know whether or not they put two and two together and realize that you know until it's too late well that that's probably the way it usually happens right, right because i mean but, it's bottom line it's cheating people it's stealing from people if they're if they've got it set up so that it's not fair well it's unfair and they're cheating people what are the what are some of the biggest online gambling platforms that you all feel like you can be competing with moving forward well there there are some very big names out there like betfair and uh uh, everybody knows all the big uh, casino names out there uh, mm -hmm. around the world. I, I don't think we can necessarily. There's no need to even name them. Right. Uh, right. But uh, the truth is, is that this platform, this is a new. We're, what we've done is we've created a whole new global standard for provably fair gaming. This is like a leapfrog, like a like a quantum leap, to allow everyone to trust a platform that is is global in reach and allows everybody to uh, participate in it. Uh, worldwide without the qualms uh, that we talked about before in regards to uh, um, having different regulations here and there and there's mm -hmm. there's the, the current operators are, are everywhere and the truth is is that they would love to be able to expand their businesses into other regions but they're just hands tied and can't do anything but the truth is is I think that we have uh, a serious advancement and this is why this is part of why uh, we created the PBSA because we understand that with this comes a whole new uh, standards uh, in regards to uh, how gaming should be for for everybody, and it doesn't matter where they're from, what part of the world they're 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 operating in. They should all have the fair same shake, uh, yeah. so to speak. So I agree. So let's say I'm a guy that likes to gamble, and I I don't I personally don't gamble at all. I never have, and I just don't have any interest in it. But for people that love to gamble or love to do online gaming. How are you going to let them know about you? How are they going to find out about you? Because my thinking is, well, once they know that you guys are out there, right, once you guys launch, of course, anybody who has any understanding of what online gaming is about, they're going to want to go over to the one that's provably fair. That's my thinking, right? That's just natural. If it's provably fair, the odds of you winning more money are definitely in your favor, right? So how are you going to let well, people think, know that I you guys are there? I, th I think that one, one thing that we have to keep in mind, because we are very, very realistic and, and always strive to look at, you know, the, 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 uh, have, a, have an accurate as assessment of the playing field, as it were. Mm -hmm. um, PeerPlays peer is, is digital currency based. Digital currencies only occupy a very, very small corner of the world right now in, in terms of attention and economics. But it's, right. clear, it's clearly there and growing. And mm -hmm. everyone who's been around since the beginning knows that this is the future. So yeah. um, the wealth... And I use the term wealth loosely because it's all digital and it's all uh, more sort of it's, it's fiat. It's not mm -hmm. it's not tangible. It's not gold or silver. So the wealth that's being generated right now uh, in, in sort of new money, new new you know happening upon uh, you know these tokens. We got to remember um, you know anything can be wagered and, and and played with with peer plays. It's turning it into something you know the connotations that uh, you know when you think of someone who is all right. I'm just going to paint a, a horrible stereotype here for everyone just to sort of uh, get everyone thinking about it in this way. You know, someone who is, is really, you know, um, they have a problem traditionally, right? Like, like, like they're selling their, their you know, they're, they're using their rent money to go to the casino and they're, right. and they're trying to win big so they can, you know, buy, you know, buy drugs or, or just, you know, make it over the next leap. And, you know, yeah. who knows what yeah. people have in their minds when they, when they, when they're irrational, right? Yeah. Um, you know, that is an entirely different scenario um, in terms of uh, the, the, there's certain barriers to entry when it comes to digital currencies and those barriers to entry are never going to go away. It's not that we're not 
not going to overcome them. It's that the overcoming of these barriers to entries is actually part of the process of understanding what we're even going to do with these new digital tokens and how these are going to affect our lives going forward and what types of new economies and new ways of relating with each other are we going to, to build with these things. And all of that is something that we're, we're, we're quite literally pulling down to the planet right now through all of the people who are working on this and all of these various projects. We're generating a, a, our own base layer for an economy that could potentially catapult us into the future. Mm-hmm. And because of that, the, the nature of you know, all, all things being possible in this new space. What I'm trying to sort of express here w- without really touching on any particular point is that peer plays is something that is allowing people to have fun with something that they didn't have yesterday. And, you know, hopefully they didn't, you know, mortgage their house to buy Bitcoin. Um, <laughs> you know, I mean, you, you really have to, you know, you have to be sitting there at, you know, this awareness it's just got to be, you know, permeating you everywhere. Like, wow, I'm going to learn how to get Bitcoin so I can do this. So I can go over here and say, you know, it's it's not it's not about that really. The the, the provable fairness. I would even emphasize the the, the peer to peer aspect of peer plays is being mm-hmm. more significant towards allowing people to connect with each other and, and experience, uh, you know, a little bit of luck or fortune with mm-hmm. someone and against someone or, uh, anywhere in the world. You know, it's it's a connecting mm-hmm. of individuals playing the rock paper scissors game, which is you know. Uh, uh, something that everyone in the world knows how to do, I think. Um, mm-hmm. It's a 2,200-year-old game. It, it came out of uh, South China, I believe. Mm-hmm. And there's a psychological element to when you play it. It gets your heart beat up. You, you, you're connecting with the person that you're doing it with. And now you can do that in real time around the world. Okay, well, you could do that before, but could you wager digital currencies on it? Could something be on the line? Right. Could you get a group of 8 or 16 or 32 people together, schedule a time next Thursday, everyone play and turn that, you know, one Bitcoin into 50 Bitcoin. You know, I agree with you that anything that's peer-to-peer is very appealing, and I think we're going to find that that's true more so in the future. Also, I think what you guys are doing, what any platform is doing that is utilizing digital currency or utilizing digital tokens is you're helping to perpetuate cryptocurrency, right, around the world. So if people like to game or they like to gamble, but they've never had any experience using cryptocurrency, they may be drawn toward this and then that may be the beginning for them of learning about cryptocurrency and getting involved in cryptocurrency. So it also helps to spread the use of cryptocurrency, which I think is a good thing. You know, whether someone believes in gambling or not, I think having a project that helps to spread the word about cryptocurrency is a good thing because, you know, it is the future. It, you know, we don't necessarily need to coddle this thing or to push this thing along or to encourage this thing because it is going to happen. It is happening. But, uh, you know, on the other hand, it's, uh, you know, it's a good thing to have different platforms and different things that people are used to doing, but using cryptocurrency for the first time. So, yeah, I think this is pretty neat. And let me ask you guys a question. Do you guys have any fear at all? that the big gambling casinos and all of that that you know hold some of the power in that world right now you know do you guys have any fear that those guys are going to come after you you know do you guys have any fear of the gambino family or the corleones <laughs> i'm locked up in my bunker they can't get me <laughs> yeah he, he's in the he's in the bunker but you know i mean michael well, they've got they've got gambinos all over amsterdam and you better watch your back dude <laughs> i'll tell you what um, Truthfully, the sort of, uh, um, you know, eloquence, so to speak, or, or maybe it's irony, I, I choose to think of it as eloquence, is that at the end of the day, it's software code and it's the cooperation of th- hundreds, but quite literally thousands. And, and hopefully, if all goes well, hundreds of thousands and millions of people around the world that's going to sustain this thing. You know, yeah. so, um, I mean, you, you know, uh, the, the whole unfortunate and, and sort of sad uh, media circus that we've seen around the quote unquote outing of Satoshi Nakamoto uh, <laughs> you know, as if as if that changes anything, you know, is, is sort of uh, I, I think I think there are 
things that existed in the past and even in the near past, um, and I mean like the past few years, mm-hmm. uh, we've, we've crossed a number of thresholds here over the last years in, in awareness. And I, I just want to you know, say that from a, a very realistic, very on-the-ground perspective. Like yeah. people cooperating in these projects on a worldwide level, we, we've never seen this before. Um, it's really what the internet uh, you know, was seeded and, and helped everyone achieve. Of yeah. course, we now, we now have generations of, of coders as well, which could this could have happened without people who have, have grown up and, and are very passionate about creating things, uh, yeah. you know, in computer code. So, you know, it's a, it's a beautiful thing at, at its base. And, and I think that the shady characters, as it were, of, of yesteryear are going to find it harder and harder to, to show their face, so to speak, in, uh, in a world that is, uh, is, is moving in the other direction. Yeah, I agree. Exciting times, to be sure. So, guys, tell me about the launch. When do you guys launch? Coming up soon, right? Yeah, we're launching uh, uh, the blockchain itself on the 30th of May, um, so okay. very, very soon, less than a month. And uh, we have uh, the software code, the, the um, building code uh, will be available on the 15th of May so that uh, the Pure Place witnesses can all uh, build the blockchain and, and practice being witnesses, practice running the code, making sure everyone understands how to do it. The witness uh, you know, position is more of a technical one, so it's something that uh, people can do. Um, I didn't mention this before, but it's, it's uh, worth mentioning. As a witness on Pure Place, the Pure Place blockchain pays you in PPY tokens the core token. So it's the same principle as miners getting paid for discovering a block. Only as a witness, you are always discovering blocks because you're one of the uh, designated block signers, which mm-hmm. means that you get a steady rate and a percentage. And that rate is, uh, uh, we, we have not uh, landed on what we're going to recommend. The, P- the Pure Place Blockchain Standards Association will, will be recommending a, a minimum threshold that should be set for witness pay. The reason for that is because of the principle that uh, you know if you don't pay people well you're not going to attract the people that you want to run mm-hmm. a healthy robust ecosystem mm-hmm. uh, peer place witnesses will also uh, have oracle responsibilities oracle meaning uh, getting data from off the blockchain and publishing it on the blockchain um, and data that will be used uh, in conjunction with the PeerPlace bookie, the uh, uh, sports betting application that's being built on the PeerPlace blockchain. Mm-hmm. And so, uh, yeah, so, you know, people who are really uh, want to get in on the ground floor, as it were, uh, and, uh, you know, show, show what they can do, be there, be ready to, to rock and roll. There's a really great opportunity coming up very, very quickly. And all you, all you got to do is get your name out there, get known, jump in the Telegram channel that we have, um, any, any of our other channels. Uh, we can probably go through those at the end here. <laughs> okay, so I bought some PPY tokens at your crowd sale or your ICO, and I have those somewhere. I guess you guys have those. I'm not even sure. But what can I do with those PPY tokens once you guys launch or, you know, down the road moving forward? I know you just explained some of it, but specifically to me or to someone who holds those, what's the next step for me? What do I do? How long ago was it that you that you got them? Uh, a number of weeks ago. Okay, so whatever wallet you used, mm-hmm. um, I'm assuming you used one of the one of the you know well I'm yeah I used your a, old I used a white so I yeah. used a mycelium wallet. Mycelium. Okay, great. So um, it'll you'll have to find the private key associated with whatever the Bitcoin address was that you sent from. Mm-hmm. And the private key, you know, directly associated with that address, um, you will uh, sign a transaction. Uh, we say importing your keys, but people think, oh, you're giving away your keys. No, you're just signing a transaction with that key, and it unlocks your tokens from the PeerPlace Genesis block. So the, the PeerPlace Core Wallet, which is uh, you can see on the PeerPlace.com website, uh, we have it on a testnet, actually. So you can actually go through the process of what it will be like to open up a PeerPlace account on the blockchain and then go through and, and use your tokens to vote for witnesses and look at your balances and everything. Well, on one of the tabs in there, there is a redemption or, or, or a importing of the keys tab to claim your, your balances. Okay. And you'll go into there, you'll take that private key, you'll put it in there, the wallet will sign the transaction, broadcast it, and then you'll see the balance show up. We have made it really easy. I mean, if you haven't had a chance to, to go to look at our core wallet, it's, it actually looks different than any core wallet that exists anywhere. It's, it's, very, it's very user-friendly, and it's got a lot of cool stuff to poke around on. So... Um, if you if you want to, you can't import your balance or anything yet because the blockchain isn't live. But, right. Um, but yeah, it's it's fun stuff. I mean, I think that you know, my, I I hope that this is taught in grade school and and you know they start they start uh, <laughs> educating everyone the, the the nature of what's going on here and it will be. Jonathan, do you guys want to go through and and uh, talk about the PPY tokens? Yeah. So what can you do with a PPY token? 
what can you do with a pure plays token? Uh, essentially, uh, the one thing that you definitely want to do is hold them uh, hmm. because when you hold them, uh, every day you're going to receive a portion of the revenues that are earned on the entire pure plays network. These revenues take the form of uh, digital currencies uh, such as uh, Bitcoin, Ethereum, Litecoin, Dash, and uh, others uh, which are used within the pure plays network. Mm -hmm. You can vote with them. Because PeerPlays is a decentralized autonomous cooperative, a DAC, you have a stake in the network, uh, which means that uh, your vote matters. So you can continue to vote for matters that take place within the blockchain and uh, be able to keep it secure and help it to grow. You are basically like a, a part of a, a giant worldwide company that is able to uh, give you power to uh, decide where it's going to go. Mm. Okay. You can wager with them, of course. <laughs> Being a gaming <laughs> blockchain, you're able to use PPY tokens to wager with. And uh, when you wager with them, of course, uh, there is, uh, you're basically uh, giving up uh, the ability to be able to collect the uh, profit-sharing revenues. But then all those profit-sharing revenues are being passed on to whoever won. So it's always a win-win, I guess, in that case. Okay. <laughs> but uh, an extra win for the person that won, though. And then you can trade them, of course, just like any other uh, digital currency today. Mm -hmm. The PeerPlays blockchain will have a built-in asset exchange. That means that whatever pairs are available within the PeerPlays blockchain will be tradable against PPY. Mm -hmm. So that will be something that will be available in the core wallet. And... Uh, if you're the type of person that just likes to hoard things, then you can certainly hoard them. Uh, we, uh, you know, it's not something we want to encourage, but if it's, uh, you know, looking to build a dynasty for your grandchildren, it's a pretty good idea, I think. Yeah. And uh, if somebody wants to hoard them, they can keep them right there in a wallet on the Peer Plays blockchain. Is that right? That's correct. And as long as you have, uh, you know, access to those uh, sacred private keys, uh, you'll be able to. Uh, pass that on or hold on to them uh, forever. Of course, they're locked in the blockchain. So, uh, And then, of course, uh, you know, we always like to encourage people to share. So send them to your friends. Who wouldn't want to receive a PPY token <laughs> in fair plays these days? So there's lots of things you can do with them. That's probably uh, one of the most versatile tokens that are available uh, today. Uh, and, uh, of course, very exciting, too, because it's, it's, it's with it all, it comes with built-in utility and it comes in with all kinds of benefits. So it's quite exciting. Okay, and do you think at some point the PPY token is going to be traded on other exchanges like Kraken, Poloniex, BTCE, all of those? Absolutely. The only thing that we, we are not certain about is how profit sharing is going to be handled in that situation mm -hmm. because our token is so unique in that regard. It's difficult to tell exactly how the exchanges will handle that. Uh, I'm sure they'll come to some kind of arrangement, but uh, we are the only token that I'm aware of that has ever provided any kind of a profit-sharing element to it. So this is something which uh, exchanges uh, will, will, will have to address in some way, I imagine. I see. Okay. All right. Well, guys, this is great stuff. If you would, please tell our listeners the best way that they can find you online and how they can get involved with PeerPlays conversation is happening on telegram right now uh pure plays is the channel mm -hmm. we also have uh, if you're just looking to to uh, learn more about uh the product or the project rather you can go to pureplays.com and also we have a news uh, aggregation site pureplays.com slash news which has a lot of our updates as well and uh the crowdfund of course uh, you can find on the pure place website if you uh go to uh we've got that hosted right at the at the top of the page and and that gives you uh more information as well uh, as you scroll through there we also have you know uh, facebook channels we have a uh live chat actually if you have any questions uh, directly we have a number of people that are manning live chat right now on pureplace.com as well so yeah, but I would suggest uh, if if you're not on Telegram for some reason, I'm not sure if, if there are still people out there who haven't discovered Telegram, <laughs> um, definitely, definitely get on there. It's uh, There's all kinds of things happening. PeerPlays is just one of many uh, amazing projects that are being talked about and discussed, and, and uh, there's all kinds of people that are pouring in every day that, that want to learn more about what's happening. So it's a good place to get connected with people. Um, if you're interested in becoming a, a PeerPlays witness, uh, we'd suggest that you get on the PeerPlays Telegram channel and you know get yourself known and um, yeah, so that's the wrap up. Thank you very nice. much. I just want to say that it's it's been a great great time. I've really enjoyed hanging out here for 
the last couple hours. Me too. Thanks, fellas. Hey, can I get a witness? Listeners, you've been listening to Jonathan Baha'i, the president, and Michael Maloney, the director of intelligence. Both of these gentlemen are with the Peer Plays Blockchain Standards Association, PBSA. Peer Plays, check it out, guys. Hey, thank you so much for your time, guys. And I am very happy that I'm a PPY token holder. Um, I feel honored and encouraged and excited about the future. And thanks again, guys. I hope to talk to you guys in the future. Thanks, John. Really glad we connected. Yeah, thanks again. Thanks, guys. Bye. Take Take care. care. You too. Bye. Bye. I'd like to thank my guests on today's show, Jonathan Baha'i and Michael Maloney of PeerPlays. Check out PeerPlays.com to learn more about how provably fair gaming is changing the way you place your bets online. That's right, PeerPlays.com. And an extra special thanks to our sponsor, Moonshine Cowboy Boot Wax, the original all-natural non-toxic boot wax with a scent of orange. Ah, the Nashville Wax Company is now offering Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover for removing stubborn, sticky stuff. It's like Goo Gone, but without the petroleum-based chemicals. All Moonshine products are 100% natural and are available at 15 different fine retail outlets in the Nashville area, including the Country Music Hall of Fame store right there in the elegant Omni Hotel downtown Nashville. To order a tin of Moonshine Boot Wax or a four ounce bottle of Moonshine Miracle Residue Remover, stay where you are. That's right, without even getting up out of your office chair, just go to moonshinebootwax.com. Use your credit card, your debit card, or Better yet, pay the modern way with Bitcoin. That's right, Bitcoin the modern way to pay at moonshinebootwax.com. And finally, I'd like to thank my loyal listeners, that's you, for tuning in and for giving me such great feedback about the show. Your comments in the show notes are always appreciated, as are the tips that you send to my Bitcoin wallet. I'm a hardworking guy with two jobs and without a lot of money, so every little bit counts. Even a 50-cent tip sent to my wallet goes a long way to making me feel that doing this podcast on a volunteer basis is worth it. It also helps keep the lights on and coffee in the kettle. Signing off now from Nashville, Tennessee, the Bitcoin blockchain epicenter of the South, I'm John Barrett, the host of Bitcoins and Gravy, here each week with my trusty dog, Maxwell, by my side. Say goodbye, Maxwell. (coughs) Until next week, friends, remember that the only thing necessary for the triumph of evil is for good men and women to do nothing. So do something and be proud of it. Go out and help your neighbor if someone needs help taking out their trash or picking up groceries. Help them out. I promise you it will make you feel fantastic. Have a great week, everyone. about him but he came to save the day when he wrote about the way things are and the way things are to be he gave us all a protocol this world had never seen Oh bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain Oh bitcoin i know you're going to rain gonna rain till everybody knows everybody knows till everybody knows your name told about the death of old Mount Gox, about traders trading altar coins and miners mining blocks. But them good old boys back in Illinois and on down through Tennessee, see they don't care to be a millionaire, they're just wanting to be free. Oh,
everybody knows till everybody knows your name. A promise to deliver us from age-old tyranny A Bitcoin as you're going into the old blockchain A Bitcoin, I know you're going to rain, gonna rain Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your name Till everybody knows, everybody knows, till everybody knows your Give me some exposure Everybody knows your name, sing it Oh Lord, pass me some more front row seats in the development of a historic technology that is doing things that have never been done before. And every day that goes by, I just feel amazed at, at having this opportunity to be frontline observer and sometimes influencer in what is turning out to be perhaps a historic generational worldwide impactful disruptive change in technology, one that will create history. And that is an amazing feeling. Here's the thing. I want to shift the conversation slightly because I think it's wrong to think about cryptocurrencies displacing fiat or measuring cryptocurrencies against the fiat they displace. That, okay. I think, is not the right way to look at it. Any more than we would look at the internet and say, well, how many phone lines and fax machines has the internet displaced? Well, it hasn't really displaced them. What it did was it rendered the entire paradigm obsolete and made the very measurement of internet in terms of phone lines and fax ludicrous and irrelevant. And so the question is, 
when do we start measuring Bitcoin, not in terms of it being worth $450, but in terms of one Bitcoin being worth one Bitcoin, and in terms of Bitcoin not displacing economic activity in fiat, but essentially enabling completely new models of economic activity that have nothing to do with the old paradigm and cannot even be measured in terms of the old paradigm. We're currently measuring cryptocurrencies in terms of the old paradigm, because that's the context we have. And and that's a bit like saying that the total value of the internet is the number of the users times how much they're paying for their DSL and cable modem connections, or how many bricks and mortar stores it's replaced. And again, that's completely missing the point. It enables entirely new ways of communicating. Well, Bitcoin enables entirely new ways of economic transactions and economic activity. So, from that perspective, I think it's wrong to look at whether a nation or a significant percentage of population have adopted Bitcoin. Let's look more at the possibility of having the first transnational community of economic activity on the internet that is independent of nation states and that exhibits elements of sovereignty through financial purchasing power on its own without the use of a sovereign currency. Uh, so that is far more interesting to me because it completely renders the old paradigm irrelevant and makes it unnecessary to measure ourselves by those metrics. I think one of the key things we're going to see is Bitcoin affecting some of the core capabilities within the internet. For example, monetizing and rewarding the creation of content, as well as building and paying for infrastructure for internet connectivity by making that infrastructure productive in terms of economic activity, because it now carries a currency over it. The other big milestones for me are the ability to disrupt the remittances market, enabling the transnational flows of currency from migrant workers to their home countries and families, which can have a very, very significant and immediate impact on poverty around the world, because that's one of the most exploitative markets in financial services. And the third one is enabling um, essentially uh, cryptocurrency IPOs where companies anywhere in the world can make public offerings of crypto stocks available to investors anywhere in the world without any barriers to entry and creating completely new economic activity by allowing for direct investment. So peer-to-peer -peer payments, peer-to-peer -peer remittances, peer-to-peer -peer crowdfunding as some of the first three major milestones for cryptocurrencies. Oh, good boy.